Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. You have 913 feet worth of homers. Let's just say you don't have a problem with the decision. Can't say he made the right decision and you lost. I think it's the best matchup that we could have gotten for our NBA Finals. The Warriors are so unselfish. They do a great job of reversing the ball. The ball never sticks. From a defensive standpoint, my program is probably closer to what the Celtics do defensively. I don't think he's great at one thing other than playing hard. Steve Kerr, you know, kind of fell into a gravy train full of biscuits. I think you have two types of days in life. I'm inherently a half-empty thinker. What in the hell happened here? Both of them should get the Lamar Award for oversharing. If you want to hit somebody, why don't you slap some base hits for the Cincinnati Reds? He said some I don't condone. I had to address it. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three, two, one. And once again, our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Mama, there goes that man. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. So glad that you have joined us for yet another episode. It should be a fun one. And I'll tell you what we have coming up. But first, I want to send a big shout out to all the people who are listening for the very first time. Thank you for checking us out. And we hope to become a part of your podcast menu. And I'll tell you ways that you can get more involved. Also, want to send a huge shout out to all the people who are already a part of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group, who've called the Sports Line, who like, share, talk about us at the water cooler. Shouts out to you guys. And finally, shouts out to all of you who are crestfallen over the breakup between Michael B. Jordan and Lori Harvey. Well, not me, not so much, but I know that's part of pop culture and I'm reaching there. Maybe there are a few of you out there that know exactly what I'm talking about if you leave this cocoon that we call the world of sports. So before I tell you what we have coming up, I do want to tell you, for those who are new and returning, how you can be more involved. First and foremost, we have a sports line that we've made available. You can call and leave a message 24 hours a day. Your thoughts, your predictions, your comments, your questions, your suggestions suggestions, your request, all of those things at 832-941-6614, 832-941-6614. And when you leave a message, you might just end up on the very next podcast. In addition to that, we encourage you to join the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page on Facebook and like the fan page. If you join the group, man, they post every single day. Sometimes I post poll questions and I ask questions to you guys so you can call in with your responses. But again, check that out on Facebook. Like the fan page. We post there as well. So those are ways to be interactive. And of course, you can follow me at Wade's Word. W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D on Twitter. So there you go. Those are all the ways to reach out and be more interactive with this community that we've created around this podcast. So this time out, we are going to talk some NBA finals with former NBA player, former pro basketball player, former Duke Blue Devil from the special teams unit. Our guy, Daniel Ewing, will break down the first couple games and give you some thoughts on uh, this series moving forward. In addition to that, we're going to hear from a good friend of mine. We've had him on the podcast before, but now he's been elevated to head coach 
of the Prairie View A&M Panthers, none other than our guy, former Houston Oiler, former The U Safety, Bubba McDowell. That's coming up as well. In addition to that, we have a We the People segment where I hear from you guys. So all that, a whole lot more. This time out, no Lamont Award because of time. I mean, we could have got to it, but we're going to save the Lamont Award. But if you've not heard the Lamont Award before, go back and listen to past episodes and check us out. And uh, give me your thoughts on any Lamont Award recipients or nominees moving forward. So with that, let's get started with a few headlines. In headlines, we'll start where we have been starting lately with the Houston Astros. Astros winners last night getting back on the winning side of the ledger with a 4-1 to victory over the Seattle Mariners. They are 7-3 and three in their last 10. And this was without manager Dusty Baker, who was suspended for Tuesday's game after a dust-up with the Mariners that was instigated and started by Scott Service, the manager of the Seattle Mariners. Now, there was a, uh, a hit batter. Late in the game, Hector Neris was uh, he was involved in that. They were warnings. Whatever happened, he ended up getting four games, which, again, I think the entire incident was started by Scott Service, but Dusty got the one-game suspension. Neris is appealing his suspension. Dusty Baker cannot appeal his suspension. But they didn't need him last night because we saw history again in the making Every five or six days when Justin Verlander takes the mound. Last night he had 12 Ks in that 4-1 victory and he moves to 7-2 on the season. But he also reached a career milestone of 3,086 strikeouts. He's passed guys like Bobby Feller and Cy Young. And last night he passed John Smoltz for 17th all-time in strikeouts. So a big night for him. Also a big night for the guy of the hour who just signed the contract extension, Jordan Alvarez, with a late home run giving the Astros a little bit of cushion in that 4-1 to victory. So, whole lot of fun going on down there at Minute Maid. They continue to do their thing, and we'll keep uh, an eye out for them. And uh, right now, smooth sailing in their division as the Angels continue to struggle. 12 losses in a row for the Angels, and at I think at 11, they were like, nah, we got to get rid of Joe Madden. So World Series winning manager Joe Madden, who started out, that team was like 11, 12 games over 500 to start the season. But now the bottom has fallen out. They've fallen and they cannot get up. Losers of 12 straight and counting. They just, I mean, they've lost all sorts of ways. They lost to the Phillies on a three-run home run in the bottom of the ninth. They lost last night to the Red Sox in extra innings and in 10 innings. So firing Madden didn't help them. And in fact, the Los Angeles Angels have not picked up a game on the Astros since May 1st. That was the last time the Astros lost a game and the Angels picked up a, a full game on the Astros in a night. So things are looking good in the division and around baseball. Things continue to roll for the Yankees. They're a little banged up, but again, they're still winning. And you just kind of circle them on the calendar. That's coming up. But again, Jordan Alvarez, Verlander did a tremendous job and all is good at Minute Maid. So I want to talk about the NBA Finals, and we're going to talk plenty of that. But I want to get into the latest on Deshaun Watson, of course, the Cleveland Browns quarterback, formerly the Houston Texans quarterback. Well, the New York Times has gotten involved, and a report came out saying that not 24, not 40, 
But there were 66 different masseuses or massage therapists that were involved in massaging or interacting with Deshaun Watson over about a 17-month period. That's a lot more than the, the 40 that they've admitted to, and it's, it's not a really good look. And now the Houston Texans are implicated. They are saying that a official in security for the, the Texans provided a non-disclosure agreement, and they set him up with a suite in the Houstonian. That, on the surface, I mean, it sounds worse than it is. I think when you're talking about your franchise quarterback for your organization to provide, hey, if, you know, you're going to be having these massages, you're interacting with people that you don't know. First of all, we recommend that you come to our folks. But if you're not, here, here's some protection for yourself. Because you want an NDA for a lot of different reasons, not just for negative reasons. But say if he had some sort of condition or if he if something happened during the massage or he, you know, just whatever interaction you had, you want to make sure that, that person doesn't talk about you or doesn't go public with information pertaining to anything about you. So I, I can see the NDA, even if it's not something that is sort of nefarious. Just an NDA to protect yourself if from the organization standpoint. So I don't think that the Texans really did anything wrong here on the surface unless they knew that he was acting inappropriate. But does this change your opinion? Not 24. Well, first of all, it was 23. Not, not 24 now. There's 24 involved in the suit. Not the 40 that they've admitted to. But you're talking about 66 different women that he got massages from and counting because they're still doing their research on that. And, of course, the Deshaun Watson camp continues to say, hey, he did nothing wrong 100%. He's 100% innocent. And obviously, uh, two grand juries were impaneled and came back no billing Deshaun. So nothing criminal there. The interesting question is, what will the NFL do? So my question to you guys is, what do you, what's your opinion of the situation first? Then what do you think should happen to Deshaun Watson? And what do you think will happen? Give me a call, 832-941-6614. And I have to tell you, it's just not a good look, even if it's not criminal. Which I don't, I mean, maybe I need to just brush up on, go to law school for the summer so I can catch up on some of these things. But anything that would involve somebody having an orgasm as a result of something I'm doing and I don't want that to happen, I mean, that's that's very, very criminal-like. I mean, but again, I'm not trying to indict him on that situation. It's just, it's a really, really weird thing. It doesn't lend itself to say, oh, no, he's a victim of whomever this this grand conspiracy he reached out to 66 different people over a 17 month period not a good look i really am at a loss i don't know what the nfl is going to do i don't know what they should do you talk about code of conduct which is really really a broad umbrella you you know you can put anything under code of conduct almost and in that way i think the nfl league office has too much power to suspend guys but if the commissioner's office's job is to look out for the best interest of the organization and the players union signed off on it. So that's sort of giving a wide berth for Roger Goodell to suspend at will. I don't know. What do you do here? Do you suspend him for eight games? I know the NFL is trying to wait for all of the information and it keeps coming out. 
But when you get reputable sources like the New York Times involved, we'll have to see if other media outlets pick this up. And the publicity is really, really bad. And it's a really bad look for the Cleveland Browns because a lot of people feel like they didn't do their due diligence. You know, Deshaun is, I like Deshaun Watson. I was extremely happy when he was drafted here. And I'm not going to say he's a criminal, but that's just not a good look. 60, like, I mean, help me understand. Like, you went to nobody twice? And if you did, or you, I mean, you're talking about 80, 90 massages? I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and I've been around the NFL, and I know guys with personal masseuses and guys who've had personal masseuses. It's a different kind of thing here. If you uh, go and read the New York Times article, it's not a great look for Deshaun. We'll have to see what happens with that. I'm going to take a brief time out. Come back on the other side with a We the People segment where I hear from you guys. But there are other headlines, some things I want to get into as well. Then we have our conversation with Daniel Ewing and, of course, with the head coach, the Prairie View a and Panthers, our good friend Bubba McDowell. All that and more on this, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast, anywhere you get your podcast. For more content, go to wadewordproductions.com. Your children are the most precious gift God has given you. Their well-being is of the utmost importance, and finding childcare that exhibits the same belief is, well, non-negotiable. So why not end your search at Brighter Brains Learning Center? Located in Stafford, Texas, Brighter Brains is a licensed, family-owned and operated daycare that promotes an early educational foundation and provides an environment of love, safety, and quality care for children ages 6 weeks to 5 years old. For more information, call 346-328-3717 or visit brighterbrainslearningcenter.org. Time for We the People. In the We the People segment, I turn to you guys and get your thoughts, whether it's through poll questions or you giving us a call on the sports line to give us your take on anything and everything. And we ran down a couple of phone calls for you to the sports line. Let's hear what we have. Yeah, this is Joe Gordwin speaking. I'm not surprised about game two. I was suspecting goes in state to come out with fire, seeking revenge. I think the series is going to be a slugfest, and I think it's up in the air as far as who's going to be the champion. But I'm leaning towards uh, Boston. So that's my uh, two cents, so we'll see what happens. Get away. What's going on? It's your boy, Nate Jones, chiming in once again. Saw your post about uh, calling in, about thoughts about game two. I watched uh, bits and pieces of the game and got a lot of commentary from people I know that I trust. series is playing out the way I predicted just based on what I know about the teams and what I've seen from them uh, leading up to this point. My initial prediction was Celtics, I believe, in seven, and then I amended that to Celtics in six. And I think I'm sticking with that. You know, my heart wants the Warriors to win because I want to see Steph win because I think he's probably one of the most disrespected players in some time. Um, I think he's an under, what do you call it, underdog story. I mean, he's 6'2", running around, playing the game like a kid with a bunch of guys that's flying through the air and dunking on people and doing all types of wild athletic crazy things. And he's not that like that, but he's super skilled. And I think he's super fun to watch. But So I want the Warriors to win, but I picked the Celtics just because I believe that the, the physical Eastern Conference team that knows what they're doing generally beats the finessed Western Conference team that knows what they're doing. So I got the series going back to uh, Golden State. 
3-1. I won't be surprised if the Warriors get lucky in game four and eat out a close win, but I don't know, man. Something's telling me the series going back 3-1 with the Celtics winning. I think Golden State will pull out a game at home and then the Celtics probably going to close them out in game six. That's what I think going to happen. I, I hope I'm wrong because I want to see the Warriors win, but that's just my thoughts on the series. I hope all is well, man. Peace. want to thank Joe and Nate for checking in. And, you know, I'm sort of surprised by all the run that Boston is getting. Because from my perspective, I feel like Golden State is the better team. I just do. And I think that if they don't turn over the basketball, and obviously in game two they turned up the defensive intensity, we saw Draymond get involved. We still haven't seen Clay show up in this series like uh, we anticipate but once they turn up their defensive intensity, Jordan Poole got going. I just think that they they are the better team. And I'm surprised so many people are picking Boston. Boston is a very scrappy team. And a nice story for first-year head coach Emi Yudoka. I mean, he has that team really performing. Obviously, they didn't get consistent production out of both guys over the first couple of games of this series. They turned over the basketball. I think a lot of that had to do with defensive intensity. What will be fun to watch tonight? Obviously, Draymond got into a, a, little, a couple little scrapes, you know, just sort of basketball stuff, doing Draymond things. He got into a Boston, and Yudoka said, hey, if it's me, I'm just saying, I'm not telling my players what to do, but if it's me, I meet physicality with physicality, and I try to get a double tech right off the bat. That tells me a couple things. That tells me that tonight Boston is going to turn up and they're going to be really, really intense or as intense as, as they can be. And they may try to pull Draymond into something. I think Draymond is smart enough not to get pulled into some foolishness, but he could. And that could really sway the series. I mean, remember, got kicked out after uh, a 3-1 lead over Cleveland. Lost game five, wasn't there for game six, and then they couldn't get the momentum back in game seven versus Cleveland. So I like what Draymond did. I thought across the board defensive intensity was great. Gary Payton second showed up. No equal dollar. He got hurt. But there were other guys that really stepped up and got involved. I thought the rotation sort of expanded. You saw Bielitsa, he got involved. You got uh, Porter, got his time in. You started to see guys, more guys get in the game and contribute. And by the end of the game, by the end of the third quarter, I mean, after they scored, I scored Boston by 21 points. It was all over and done with. Next up, I want to go back to a call from Nate. Nate made previously but I want to get to it because there's something, a couple of things that were very, very poignant about what he said, and I want to talk about those things. So here is a another call from our guy Nate on the sports line. Devin Wade, it's your boy Nate Jones, chiming in once again. I forgot to mention earlier, it escaped my mind. I was focused on the uh, content about the finals. But, man, I just got the news earlier uh, about Brother Marion Barber, Marion the Barbarian, one of the most physically intimidating, punishing, beautiful running backs I've personally ever witnessed play the game of football. He just brought back shade of, you know, Walter Payton, watching him as a kid and watching highlight tapes of him from his earlier years as a kid. You know, he wasn't as, I think, as agile in terms of, like, avoiding contact, even though Walter Payton dished it out just as much as he could take it. But he also, in my opinion, you know, you saw him 
shoot and, you know, be Barry Sanders-like in a lot of ways. But just back to Marion, man, I, I, I don't want to limit his life to uh, just his football prowess and everything. I really want to kind of focus on what he went through post-career and all the signs right now are pointing to CTE and potentially some, you know, mental health things. I heard about some of the incidents he had, you know, over the last few years. I had heard, I remember hearing about him at the time, but never really thought anything of it at the time. You know, you kind of think you're going to get more information later, and that never really came. But I pray for that brother's family, man. My thoughts and prayers go out to everyone that loved him and knew him and experienced him and had others like myself who were able to watch his career and know who he was through him playing football. It's just a sad story. I'm 39 years old. He was 38. And I don't know how much time I got left on this earth, man. So I'm going to take advantage of every waking breath I have, man, and do whatever I feel, whatever the spirit calls me to do. I mean, I started a post on man, Facebook, just kind of getting back on there and trying to limit limited the positive things. And, you, and your Facebook page has always been very positive. I'm going to keep positivity going. Uh, but yeah, I just... You know, brothers, man, take care of yourselves, man. I'm trying to do my best to tell you. I'm working to do my best for your trying. I'm working to do my best to take care of myself and be healthy and eat healthy and get the proper amount of rest and limit our, our alcohol intake and limit our, you know, marijuana intake and really try to take care of our brains and our nutrition. Our nutrition affects our brains and the things that we do affect our brain and just keep man, our hearts. And if we got, if we overweight like I was, man, we got to lose that weight, man, shed that weight so you can at least, you know, your body will be where it's hopefully supposed to be and doing the things and operating in the manner in which it's supposed to operate. And so we can get off these meds, not have to take those, hopefully. And brothers, we just got to make smart decisions, y'all. Whatever, if you think you're about to make the wrong decision, man, give somebody a call, somebody that you trust, somebody that's going to look out for you, somebody that's not going to be afraid to tell you the truth. If you need help, reach out. It's help out there. It's free resources. And people pick up the phone. You know, when somebody calls for help, and I know, you know, a lot of us may have ruined our reputations with you and everything. You know, I'm not saying if it's an unhealthy situation to pick up the phone, but if you can, if you're in a position, if it's healthy enough for you to help somebody, man, reach out, help. Brothers, don't be afraid to ask for help. Please, man, take care of yourself. Though. We we dying too early, man. I mean, I know a lot of us are going when it's supposed to happen. God don't take us when it's supposed to happen. But 38 years old, to die 38 in 2022 with all the advances in science and all types of issues and the involvement of the human body, man. We just got to, and I know the food is killing us, man. We just got to watch what you Hopefully, we can get out here and grow. But anything, sorry, I'm rambling, Devin. I'm going to give you flowers now, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, everybody, just take care of yourself, man. I, I want to see y'all prosper, man. I want to prosper with you, and let's get it. R.I.P. to Marion Barber, man, and his family and friends, man. Condolences. Thanks, Nate, for checking in again with that phone call. And the sentiment of that call sort of reminded me of the outpouring of love and support Kobe Bryant got following his death and continued to get from fans all over the world. What you don't see enough of is love for lesser-known guys, guys like Marion Barber, who, unless you're an avid football fan, you don't really know this guy. I've followed his story since he's been out of the game. And I have to admit, I hadn't heard some of the off-the-field stuff about Marion that other people have. Seems like he was going through it quite a bit. And uh, it's always unfortunate when that happens. But I think that we do need to make sure to remember and acknowledge our sports heroes, our icons, and the guys that are the gladiators that went into the the ring or the field for our entertainment. And, of course, they're compensated really, really well 
But there's also a, a component where we pull for these guys, we root for them, we say we love them, and then when they're not on our team and no longer of use to us as fans, we seem to throw those guys away. So I'm glad to see Nate acknowledge that. He also add, uh, acknowledged uh, Jeff Gladney, who passed away in a car accident, and he also acknowledged Dwayne Haskins couldn't get that part of the phone call on. But again, we have to remember these guys. These are humans, and we celebrate them for what they do in putting their bodies and their lives and their health on the line for us. I always thought it's a big deal to remember those guys. One of the first things I ever did for a sports talk show was on KTSU with Gerald McClellan's family. Gerald McClellan was a championship boxer who was injured in the ring, suffered brain damage, and his intellectual capacity was diminished to that of a, a really young child. And I wanted to help raise money for him by bringing his story to light because the world kind of forgot about him. He went in there for our entertainment, and then we forgot about him after he was of no use to us as a gladiator in the boxing ring. So that's a, a big deal. And also, I think with all that's going on, it's such a heavy time with, you know, you have the January 6th hearings. You have COVID. We're still dealing with on different levels. You have the economy. You have $8 gallon gas prices. Not quite, but it's feeling like that. And then you have the gun violence that's sort of just bombarding us all of the time. It's good for somebody to say out loud what other guys need to hear. So if you're listening, hopefully there's something he said about taking care of yourself resonates. And taking care of others resonates because we need more of that. We need to say these things out loud. So I'm glad Nate did that. In addition to that, hey, Nate, man, he shed a lot of pounds. He's practiced what he preached on that and uh, looking good. Great actor. Slimmed down quite a bit. So he's just not talking the talk. He is walking the walk. So let's transition. Let's talk about the NBA Finals with our guy from the special teams unit, Daniel Ewing. A lot going on in that series. I'm telling you, Golden State, they did what I think they're going to do at least three more times in this series. They're going to pull away from this team. But, again, you have to give Boston credit. Let's hear from our guy, Daniel Ewing. Our guy from the special teams unit, Daniel Ewing, back aboard. How are you this afternoon? I'm good, Devin, man. Like always, appreciate you having me. Hey, I'm glad to have you because we want your opinions, your expertise as a, a former professional basketball player. This must be like, I mean, is this the highlight of your basketball year or is it better when all these teams in different areas are playing? What's the highlight for you in the NBA season? I think it's overall it's just the playoffs. And uh, for the most part, the playoffs have been phenomenal, especially the first what, first two rounds, if I'm not mistaken. First round for sure was fantastic all the way around, both conferences. But so for the most part, the playoffs have been phenomenal, except, you know, a few games here and there that where teams kind of got blown out unexpectedly. But I think overall, as a fan of basketball, NBA fan, you're just looking forward to some great playoff series. Well, the NBA Finals are tied at one game apiece. What are your thoughts on this series through two games? They say you, you really don't have a series. The series doesn't start till the way team wins on the other team's home court. So, I mean, I think Golden State feels like they might have, they should be up 2 0. Granted, Boston took care of business the way they, they wanted to, getting the split out there in, in, in the Bay in the first two games. But now, I, I would say the series really doesn't start until Golden State goes out here in, in one of these game threes or fours and, and gets the game started. 
So let's go back to game one. Obviously, it looked like Golden State had it in control, went into the fourth quarter, and they were up by 12, and then just everything just fell apart for them. Talk a little bit about what you saw in the fourth quarter of game one. What happened to, to Golden State? Well, I think the main thing was that they just they couldn't get no stops. They couldn't guard, and they, and they couldn't find Al Horford to save their lives. Al Horford destroyed them in that second half. And also, Derek White had a humongous game for, for Boston as well uh, with his contributions off the bench. Yeah, I just think that, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I can't tell you pinpoint exactly, but definitely they, they weren't able to get stops. And offensively, Boston had did a tremendous job of, you know, of taking away Steph Curry's airspace. And Clay Thompson has yet to have, you know, a major impact on this series. So that's something to look out for in, in these next two games. So here's my observation of game one, and you can give me your take on this. So Steph started out, and I think he wanted to make a statement against the Boston defense and came out and had 21 points in the first quarter. And then he sat for like six minutes of the second quarter, and he never was the same. Not that he could have continued that pace, but he didn't seem the same for the remainder of that game did he stay out too long? Is that a part of their rotation? What did you see after that explosive first quarter? Well, I mean, I think that's part of their rotations. But and considering the fact that he did start as strong as he did, you know, I think Coach Curry was probably you know trying to give him an extra, you know, an extra minute or two of rest, not thinking that you know that he would have a a law like he did in the second half. But I don't think that was had too much effect on it. I think Boston made some adjustments. If you really go back to the first game. You can see that the first few threes that, that Steph hit was blown coverages. He was wide. He was like, I mean, how is Steph Curry wide open? It was blown coverages. Boston picked that up going into the second half and, and made it a lot tougher for Steph. I think their defense picked up a lot better, which made which kind of which which had some effect on how Steph played in the second half as well. Well, you see Clay Thompson kind of struggled through two games. What do you see? I mean, he missed a couple bunnies. I mean, he he just is not himself, it seems. Is it Boston doing this to him, or is this him just not being on his game? What do you see with Klay Thompson through two games? Honestly, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's a little bit of both. This is a tough matchup for Klay because Boston has guys that can really can really bother him. I'm not going to say stop him, but that can bother him. You have Jaden Brown, who's a good defender with length, athleticism, and size, who can bother him. You have Marcus Smart with his physicality, and we know you know he's a defensive player of the year. Marcus Smart can bother him. You have Jason Tatum with his length, size, and athleticism. Uh, he's a good defender, can bother him, you know. And then Boston's not scared to make some switches. Can switch Al Horford on him with his length, you know, his agility can bother him. Uh, Robert Williams can, can bother, you know. So uh, I think it's a little bit of both. You know, Clay hasn't really found his, hasn't found that rhythm that he wants to, that he that he would like so far. But if he does, that definitely changes. You know, that changes a lot for for Golden State. Do you see him getting it going, or, or will this kind of be how the series is going to be for him? Uh, he's going to have to get. He's going to have to get it going in, in order for Golden State to win this series. He's going to have to find. He's going to have to have at least one breakout game. You know, where he's Clay Thompson like. Yeah, he's going to have to get it going because you can't. You got to remind you that outside of Steph, Clay, and Jordan Poole, that's only three guys that you really relying on big that can have really big games for you offensively. Draymond's not going to have a big game offensively, you know, unless he has a career night, which, you know, it could happen. But you don't can't expect Draymond to have a big offensive game. Who after that? You, Gary Payton second just got back. We well, got, got Wiggins. Back. I don't know if you mentioned Wiggins. Wiggins is yeah, good. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you would hope that Wiggins can pick up 
pick up some of that slack. He played better in the second game. But yeah, I mean, you do have uh, Wiggins, Andrew Wiggins, and you hope that yeah, you hope that he can pick up some of the slack if, if Clay continues to struggle offensively. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, Steph. Can he keep this pace up? I mean, what, he had 29 and 34. Can he keep this up for at least three more games in this series? Or do you anticipate him kind of coming, wearing down a little bit? Because we've seen him in late in the year and even in series sort of fade a little bit. Do you anticipate him being able to keep up this pace of scoring? He's definitely capable of doing it. And I think he's constantly, is constantly on his mind. Uh, not to say that, you know, he's it's something that he's uh, his mindset is is on definitely on being aggressive and and trying to set the tone offensively for his team, considering that if they win it, he definitely wants a chance, uh, a high, high percentage of chances to to win the finals MVP. And in order to do that, he's going to have to carry this team however many games ago, majority of those games. When you look around at some of the role players and obviously in game one, it was Derek White. And Al Horford, you're talking about having career nights. But you saw the Golden State Warriors sort of expand their rotation a little bit. Peyton III coming back off of that gruesome injury. You uh, Bielitsa, uh, you saw him get minutes. Uh, obviously, Iguodala is injured. He couldn't be in. You started to see guys get more minutes. What are your thoughts on what you saw as uh, the, the sort of more players got involved for the Golden State Warriors? I actually forgot about some of those players, honestly. Like, you know, Andre Iguodala hadn't played so long prior to game one of the series. You know, you kind of forget that he was, you know, he was over there. Before the series started, I was kind of like, man, who, how how would the Warriors match up with the Celtics? And I was like, I, you know, I don't know. And game one started and, and you, you, Iguodala gets thrown out there. You're like, okay, all right. That, you know, that covers one of the, one of the question marks and then, you know, you got Gary Peck in the second, making his debut uh, in the second game. So I think uh, as long as Warriors the series keep going, the Warriors keep getting guys healthier and healthier, that's definitely an advantage for the Warriors. Generally speaking, role players play better at home. Do you anticipate uh, sort of uh, a rebound from maybe Tice, Derek White, Horford? Do you think those guys going home will feel a lot more comfortable and, and play better? Most likely. Most likely, uh, but it, I mean, like I said, it all depends on how things are going offensively, and you know how how the Warriors' defense is what what they're focusing on for those against those players, certain you know certain role players. Uh, Derek White got their attention the first game, so you know second game, I'm pretty sure there was much more attention to detail about when Derek White was in the game, what they want, what they don't want to allow, and what they will allow uh, when he's on the court. I mean, we all know Al Horford's been a a, a great pro throughout his career, but he's been big time throughout these playoffs as well. So the small adjust those small adjustments and attention details is what what really makes or breaks you in, in these in these games. When you look at Golden State, it seemed like they really did turn up their defensive intensity, and that was led really by D- Draymond Green and his attitude and his antics. I don't know if you want to use the word antics, but with all the things that he does, what do you think about how Draymond came out and what did that do for the, the Golden State defense? I mean, it's been said throughout the throughout the years that he's the heart of the team. Now we all know he's not the best player, he's not the offensive scorer, you know, he's not the superstar, but he's the he's the engine that make that team go. And so he's been that throughout his career. There, that's what they expect of him. That's what he brings. That's what you know. He knows that's what the team expects of him, and that's what he's going to bring every night he's on the court. And when he's at his hot, when he's at his best, 
you know, he's an elite player doing that that type, doing those type of things. Do you think he should have gotten that second technical and a little dust up with Jalen Brown? I don't think so. Like I said, it, I mean, you know, we've been a lot. If, if Draymond doesn't already have a technical, most likely both players get, you know, double technical in that situation. I don't think it was really nothing, right? Honestly, it wasn't. I think the fact that it got it got more attention than it should have because Draymond was involved. If that player, ha- if that happens with two other players, I think it's the same situation. I think it's all right. We we look at it to see if you know what I'm saying. And, all right, no, it was really nothing there to give anybody a technical. Well, you look at Draymond and, and what I said after game one, he can't play. Obviously, you can't count on him for points. You don't count on him for offense. But he can't play as poorly as he did in game one. I think he took 12 shots. He was 2 of 12. He only took three shots in game two, finished with nine points. He only had three personal fouls as opposed to six in game one. Talk a little bit about what they're going to need from him moving forward. I, I agree with you. I honestly think they're going to need – they're going to need – and Draymond's been playing a lot of years in the league now. And at this point, with his championship experience, with his, with his IQ – I think Draymond should be a much a much more respectable three point shooter than he is at this point in his career. And I think they're going they're going if if Clay Thompson continues to struggle like in in a game where they're needing guys to make some make some plays offensively or make some shots, Draymond is going to have to be one of those guys in one of those games. Uh, so yeah, I think Draymond's going to have to find a way to to have a game where he might have 17, 18 points, 10 rebounds and you know seven assists and, and still be able to do what he do defensively and, and, and rebound and running, orchestrating offense offensively. One of the unsung heroes, I think, for Golden State has been Kevon Looney. He was 6-6 six six from the field, had, had finished with 12 points, but just hustling. He had, what, seven rebounds. He, he did his thing, had three steals. Uh, what are your thoughts on, about him as an unsung player? He's definitely been an unsung player for the Warriors throughout the playoffs, not just in his final series. He's had some some unsung moments throughout the entire playoffs. If you go back and look at the different series they've been in, and they've mixed it up with him, you know he's come off the bench to start a game. He started a lot of the games, but they mixed it up just depending on just you know just factoring how they wanted to match up and what they saw going on in film after you know after a game or two, whatever the case may be. But he's going he's he's a huge piece to what they're to the Warriors winning the championship as well. Let's turn to uh, to Boston. You have a, a tandem in Jason Tatum and, of course, Jalen Brown. Seems like neither one of those guys can can get it going when the other one is going. Brown started out lights out. I mean, he you know early on in that game, he was really on fire. Only finished with 17 points. Tatum, who struggled in game one, came back with 28 points. Uh, what do you think about that tandem and, and what are they going to need from those guys to, to win this series? Well, they've proven, like I said, it was a, they did their part in game one, but they, it was also a, a, a big letdown for the Warriors. But they've proven that despite one of the, one of their star players not having one of their better games, that they still can get it done. Tatum only had 12 points in the first game, but you had big contributions from a guy like Al Horford and Derek White off the bench. Mark Smart played well that game. And, like, and Jalen Brown, he only had like 22 or 24, but it seemed like he had like 30 that game. But I'm pretty sure it would, they would prefer that both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are cooking and playing well at the same time on all cylinders, you know, as much as possible. 
Well, I know you just got through doing some a little bit of coaching, and I want to give you an opportunity to put on your coach's hat. If you are making adjustments as the Boston Celtics head coach, what are some of the things you want to make adjustments on heading into game three? I would say, especially the way Steph has started, you might start the game kind of blow up a lot of those dribble handoff situations with him and Draymond or him and whoever. Uh, but especially, I think you you might want to even blitz just to get the ball out of his hands and try to make someone else make plays to start the game, considering Clay has been struggling. Blitz pick and rolls with, with Steph. Try to get the ball out of his hand and try to see who else can can start the game and make plays for for the Warriors to start, you know, to, to get the game going. And I'm pretty sure that that's, that's one of the adjustments they might make. But then again, they might not make too many adjustments, just considering that they probably feel like, hey, man, we we played what our, we did what we were supposed to do the first game. We didn't play our best the second game. We're going to stick to what we know, you know, what we know and what, you know, what we believe. And sometimes it's, it's that simple. Like, guys, we just got to play better. It's not too many adjustments we need to make. Like, they're a great team. We're a great team. We believe we're a great team. And let's go out there and focus on what, you know, what we do best and take care of business that way. Now, one of the things I've heard him talk about, and, and you can speak to this more than I can, obviously, is that on the pick and roll, the bigs that pick up Steph are sagging, allowing him to get those open threes. Do you think they should make the adjustment to play up on him? Or, I mean, because to me, once you do that, now he can, can uh, penetrate and maybe dish or go to the basket. How would you play him off those pick and rolls? That's what I mean when I say blitzes. So blitzes like basically trapping, trapping them off the pick and roll. So you, you, where the big comes up and meets him up top. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. So basically forcing Steph to do something other than get a look at it, have an open look at the basket, or have an opportunity to attack the big because he's in drop coverage. All right. So hey, we're gonna trap you, get the ball out your hands. Let's find out what somebody else can do other than Steph Curry. Which, like they, they know, if, you know, if Clay Thompson is open and got it going, you know, he can get it going. But, like, all right, man, let's, let's just force Steph to get the ball out of his hand, try to frustrate him, uh, make it hard make it hard on him to start the game. And let's see how that works for us as a defense, and let's see how that works for them with their offense. Now, if you were Golden State, if you're Steve Kerr in this situation, obviously you play well in three quarters in game one, and then you played well throughout in game two. What do you do? What sort of adjustments? What can you do to get Clay going? What sort of things do you think need to happen moving forward as they go on the road? I think there there will be a focus on, you know, trying to get Clay going early, uh, but at the same time still reminding Steph to, hey, man, like you're our guy. Out here, be aggressive, uh, but I think they'll they'll try to run some stuff early for for Clay, just to try to get him going, see the ball go in the basket early. Cause it don't it don't it won't take much for Clay to get going. I mean, we've seen that in the past. It won't take much for him to get going. He sees a couple of shots go in early, or he he gets fouled and gets to the free throw line early. He just see the ball go in the basket and, and get himself going. We know he can go off and uh, have a historical night himself. So moving forward, how do you see the next couple of games in this series? Honestly, man, like I said, I, this series could go either way. But I think definitely Golden State has to get one of these next two games in Boston, for sure. Tonight, like I said, I think it'll be a chess match tonight. Both teams have one win going into game th- game three. There'll be some slight adjustments. And the team that executes their game plan the best and makes the in-game adjustments while the game's going on is going to be the team that wins. 
Well, hey, man, we certainly appreciate your time as always. And as this series goes on, we may tap you on the shoulder and get your opinion on maybe game six or seven of this series. We don't know. It's, it's, it's heating up. It's uh, pretty exciting. So we certainly appreciate your time as always. Oh, man, definitely enjoyed it. For past episodes or more content, go to WaysWordProductions.com. I want to thank Daniel Ewing, as always. Enjoyed that, and may catch up with him later on in this series if it lingers, if uh, the Golden State Warriors or Boston Celtics win three straight. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm picking Golden State to win tonight, and then we'll have to see what happens in game four. Let's remember the Boston Celtics have lost four games these playoffs at home. So it's not like the old Boston Garden where, you know, they, the AC didn't really work and it was 120 degrees in there and it would wear teams down and they felt suffocated by the intimate confines of the Boston Garden. It's not that. They have not displayed that they are a dominant home team in these playoffs. So we'll have to see. Give me your thoughts on that. And, uh, of course, I'll take your calls for the next podcast. With that, going to take a brief time out. Come back on the other side with our guy, Purview A&M head football coach, Bubba McDowell. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. Kobank Homes through Keller Williams. Check him out on Instagram and on SoundCloud. And when he has other events, I'll promote them for him and let you know about him because he's uh, he, he's doing his thing. And he is coming up in a major way, and people are really feeling his vibe. And the, his team and his crew, what they do, it's very exciting to see what those guys are doing these days. So if you have music and you want it heard on the podcast, just email us. Music at WadesWordProductions.com. Music at WadesWordProductions.com. Com. The genre doesn't matter. We want it to be family friendly. Or I mean, maybe PG-13. Although, 
13 year olds hear about just about everything these days. So just sort of, you know, keep that in mind. Radio edit, and we'll try to work that in a snippet at the halfway point in an entire track or an extended portion of a mix at the end of the program. About to talk to Coach Bubba McDowell, but first I want to talk a little bit about the Brittany Griner situation. Because I'm here in the city of Houston, this is sort of the epicenter of folks rallying around her and wanting her to be returned by the Russian government. And I haven't talked a lot about it. What I did suspect is actually true. Initially, they asked the State Department, asked people to not make too much of a fuss about this and let them work back channels. And they've been doing that to no avail. The reason why I just think, I mean, obviously you want to keep it on the forefront in the public eye and you want to make sure that it's illuminated as a topic. But I don't think that that will move the Russian government in any way. When you look at what's happening with the war in Ukraine, they're killing women and children and old people and innocent people and people who are just civilians. They have nothing to do with a military objective. So they don't give a damn about a basketball player from the United States other than she may be some sort of bargaining chip that the Russian government can use. So, while I understand the frustration, there's only going to be so much the government can do on this. As long as Russia's doing what they want to do and they're not in the mood to return her back to the United States. But again, we have to keep her name illuminated so we don't forget what's going on in that situation. Also, the college women's softball World Series is tonight. University of Texas made a massive comeback to reach this point where they're taking on a, a juggernaut in the Oklahoma Sooners. This is like a team like one of the UCLA teams from back in the day. This team is just almost unbeatable. One of the few teams that did beat them this season were the uh, UT Lady Longhorns. And I'm telling you, man, you definitely want to check that out. I mean, it's really entertaining. And so that is going on starting tonight. Also, Tiger Woods announced that he is dropping out of the U.S. Open. Oh, he's not entering the U.S. Open. He's going to save it for the British Open or whatever they call it. It's a formal name. It's at St. Andrews. But they don't – I want. I think they want you to call it the Open, but the British Open. For, for the purposes of this podcast. So with that, had a chance to catch up with Coach Bubba McDowell a little while ago, and we were going to run that, but we got his basketball counterpart at Prairie View, Byron Smith, on last time out to talk about the NBA Finals, and we thought that we had a little time to bring you this conversation, and uh, we did. And here is our conversation with head coach Bubba McDowell. Excited to have this guy on the podcast, and I got to tell you, I could not be happier for a guy getting an opportunity to be a head coach as I have been for this guy. Bubba McDowell joins us, head coach of Prairie View A&M. Congratulations, first off. I know we've talked a couple of times, a number of times since it's happened, but it's the first time on the podcast I get to say publicly how, uh, how happy I am for you. Congratulations. Appreciate it, my brother. Appreciate it. Thank you for all the, the best. You, I mean, you've been in my corner, big dog. You know, I appreciate that. Yeah, I've been rooting for you for a long time. And the last discussion we had on this podcast was prior to last season. And we talked about you guys, Prairie View, getting over the hump to win the West. 
you did that. We also talked about coaches who have sort of paid their dues maybe being leaped over by more high-profile names. Despite that, you got the, the nod. Of course, we're talking about the Hugh Jacksons and the Deion Sanders and other coaches, uh, Eddie George, those guys, sort of getting those opportunities, which is uh, it's cool, but there are a lot of yeah. great coaches through the years. Talk a little bit about you getting this opportunity and how did it come about? Oh, man, I mean, I guess I just got God's favor all over me, you know what I'm saying? I'll take that favor any day, you know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, no question about it. You've proven to the Prairie View community that you are a Prairie View through and through. You've been there a number of years. Talk a little bit about that because everybody seems to be excited about you as the head coach and feel like you deserve to get this this opportunity. Yeah, and like I said, it's been been an ongoing thing. And again, just uh, God... Gave me the patience to wait it out. Learned that from uh, Almighty Mother there, you know, who uh, spanked my butt, made me do the right thing, whether it was uh, in the classroom or off the field. I always said treat others like you want to be treated. You know, that's always been my motto, man. From uh, time I can um, step with, I uh, step foot in in high school sports, you know, because again, it was a guy that didn't even like sports, you know, uh, kind of one of the dudes in the neighborhood to. Uh, get into sports really late as opposed to uh, guys my age you know but again just look what god has brought me to and been very blessed throughout my uh life my career as a football coach and 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 even uh just you know when i was done with the uh oilers and the um carolina panthers uh you know after i tore that killy tendon you know was, you know lonzo heisman asked me to get into the coaching part of it and i said yeah no not just yet you know i went straight into uh training guys getting them ready for Combine, you know, Daniel Manning for one, you know, Ken Hamill, another one, then also all the high school kids, you know, then I just kind of, it kind of grew into me. So I said, you know, let me just do the thing again. Just went into the coaching part of the TSU for four years, volunteering on the Bill Thomas at first. And like I said, this and the rest is history, man. Went over to Browse, left Browse, U of H, went to Baylor, went to uh, uh, Willow Ridge a couple years, high school. Brought me up there to uh, the PV, and I've been there ever since, man. And just kind of paying my dues, you know. Like I said, um, uh, always guys that I recruit, I always told them I would stay there, see them through their senior year. You know, of course, you get new guys in every year, and you have to make that promise to them. So, and it's like one of them deals. I say, you know what? I said to myself when when it came about, I said, look, I'm not even going. They asked me to do the internship uh, again. I'm not even going to do it, but. God put it on my heart. Say, look, man, just do it. Whatever happens, happens. I got your back. Sure enough, I'm, I'm the head guy. So, what have you learned through this process that makes you a better head coach? Like, what have you learned over the last few years that will make you more successful as a head coach? Do you think? Well, I mean, again, just just you know, evaluating talent better, not just looking at talent. You know, in in my specific area for DBs, you know, having to look at the O line. D-line, linebackers, wide receivers, running backs, you know, quarterbacks, all of them. You know, you got to get to the point where you got to look at all these guys. And I think by doing that with Coach Dooley, you know, with with Willie, you know, with Heist, it taught me a whole lot. You know, the administrative side of it, you know, still had to learn a little bit at that time, still learn more of that even as we speak today. So, but for the most part, it was, you know, really just about just the judging good talent. Because I will always say, you know, that PB is a gold mine. If we get it right or if they get it right, you know, man, it, it can be a gold mine over there. With, you know, just on a winning scale, 
uh, just getting athletes over there to uh, once once kids get on campus, they don't know a whole lot about PV, but once they get on campus at PV, they really really love it. Now, with the experience that I have, and some of the coaches I have uh, from past experience, and how do we uh, get those kids to uh, come join us? You get the job now, and the infrastructure, the the program has been built up. And, of course, you win the West. You go to the SWAG championship, fell short in that game. But now the pressure is on because the expectations are higher now. How do you deal with the expectations when you'll have a a new team? You won't have guys in key positions. Juwan passes is gone, and and there are other guys that have gone on. How do you deal with the pressure of, of the expectations of Prairie being a winning program now? I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't look at it that way, Dev, as a uh, pressure. Because again, I, I mean, I've been on, I've been under pressure you know, pretty much all my life. Just, just to play this game is, it's a lot of pressure. To be good at at this game is a lot of pressure. So this game has taught me a whole lot. You know how to uh, deal with pressure, good and bad. For me, it's just now just going out finding good coaches. Because again, I, I always say, you know, even though. You're good as a head coach. You think you're good as a head coach, uh, and not everybody can be a head coach. Even even some of the professional athletes, we've seen many athletes uh, try to do the deal and unsuccessful. But like I tell myself, and I tell the guys that I'm going to hire, but look, you guys are my back. No, we we got to get this thing going. I, there's no uh, eight and two or uh, six and four. Or, or seven three, you know, winning season without you guys, you know, because again, as we tell our kids on the on the field, I mean, you got eleven guys out there on the field, and you all got you guys got to play together on each side of the ball, offensively, defensively, all special teams. Same with the coaches. You got to surround yourself with guys that you know is going to come in, help you get that job done. And I think if if you do that, and you trust those guys to come in and do that, teach them, mentor them in the classroom or uh, in on the field. I think you'd be pretty successful, um, you know, overall. And I, and, I, and I have a really, really good coaching staff that I, that I believe is going to come in and do just that. Well, I want to ask you, you're a few months away from a huge game, Labor Day weekend, Labor Day Classic, of course, against Texas Southern. Do you yeah. think you'll be more nervous as a head coach or for the first time you play like major college ball or maybe pro ball? What, <coughs> do you think you'll be more nervous for this or more nervous for your debut at the U or for the Oilers? Man, I'm going to be nervous regardless. I used to get nervous. Uh, I think I'll be even more nervous as a head coach. I, I can't even lie because I, I still, you know, even even out of what, had seven years in the league, I, I still got nervous before that first kickoff, man. And then once, them, once that first kickoff, go down there and get going, hit somebody or, or just be in on the play, you know, not all that nervousness, nervousness is gone. But, yeah, I, I told the guy, I know I'm going to be nervous, but I'm going to be excited at the same time, you know, because, again, I know I've said many times, Dude, the record does not mean anything when these two teams play each other. It's about who's going to go out there and perform the best for four quarters. Yeah, I want to ask you about the the non-coaching part of the job because there are a lot of things. I mean, and I've reached out to you. I mean, we've talked a couple times, and you are always on the go doing something to make the program better. Talk a little bit about some of the things you have to do off the field as a head coach that you didn't have to do as an assistant. Oh, do we have enough time? <laughs> we'll make time. <laughs> oh my God, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, and you know as well as I know. I mean, it's not again. It's not about just coaching football now. Man, you're 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 the CEO of your of your group. 
that's what I have to do. I got I got to be that guy, you know, not only for the football team, but for the university. I'm representing not only the football team, but the university as a whole. I mean, that again, that's just going out, fundraising, setting things uh, in place to uh, get money to the program, to the athletic program, uh, and to your Pacific program. My goal is, which I've always done in the past, uh, which I want to do more of this year, is get our kids out in the community a little bit, a lot more, should I say, a lot more as time allows us to, you know, and, and communicate with them. Again, and a lot of times I tell kids, you know, when you finish this game, you know, it's, it's going to come down to uh, not a whole lot about what you know is about who you know. So just putting those kids out there in the community, let them meet new faces, you know, and, and again, it, you know, at some point you get to be in that leadership role, will it, role rather it's on the uh, football field or just in society uh, as a whole so again i just gotta i gotta teach them the right way and uh you know again it's not job about this football so we gotta do all the uh small important things you know communicating uh outside of football with different groups elementaries you know letting these kids go to schools and read to the kids just uh um volunteering you know we did the volunteer a lot of like i said volunteer with special olympics we had on campus uh, a couple of months ago that we have there every year so little things like that you know that's very important to me that i have to make sure that these kids understand you know this is this is what life is all about yes the football the sports all that is great but it's the things that happen outside of football that's going to make you a better person do you think being at an hbcu gives you a better opportunity to have an impact on the lives of these young men as opposed to like when you were at the U, I mean, I'm sure you probably had some nurturing coaches, but you were having the pressure to win national championships there. Do you feel like at a, a smaller school at HBCU, you can impact their lives more? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. You, you hit on the head because again, as I said earlier, again, it's about me doing what I need to do as a, as a coach and as a human being, you know, and, and again, who are these kids looking up to? They're, they're looking up to the coaches as well, but more importantly, everything at the end of the day, you know, as well as I know, it falls back on me. So I got to conduct myself the right way. The only way I know how to do that, again, is to do it by example. You know, like I tell my kids all the time, do you? A lot of times, you know, we, we were talking about some of our exomies about who, you know, who's a leader. A lot of them say, oh, Coach, I'm not a leader. I'm not a leader. I can't speak verbally. Well, dude, a leader is not all about verbal. It's about actions. You know what I'm saying? Go out, do your deal. I was the exact same way. I was very, very quiet at Miami. They used to me, even when I got with oil, they were like, oh, this dude can't be from Miami. He don't say much. Right, so, right. <laughs> <laughs> you that we, that we were used to, you know what I'm saying? Or used to being so. Again, it's just by leading by example, man, and just I mean, just taking the, the right steps. You know, uh, if we that corrected, then we we move on to three and so on. So, what do you look for off the field in, in a student athlete? I mean, obviously, you, you look at the grades, I'm sure, but what are some of the other things off the field that you look for? What what character traits do you look for in student athletes when you're recruiting them? Just I mean. You know, just how, how they were family. Uh, we also asked about, you know, I make sure the coaches, whoever was uh, their, their person that they communicate most. We, we try to we try to get as much information as possible. And one of the biggest things, I, you know, I ask myself, uh, you know, and it's kind of model for NFL. And 
uh, how they with the teammates, you know, how they with family, how they with the community, you know, because all that stuff plays a role. Because it, it, like I say, because again, once we get there, as we tell these parents, when they leave that nest and and come to Prairie View, I promise them, yeah, yeah I'm gonna take care of this kid as if, as if he's my own, and I'm stand on that promise. So again, now it falls back on me to make sure I'm doing the right thing, teaching these the right thing because again we know things are going to happen you know but now how do we handle that situation again whether it be good you know we, we expand on it or whether it's bad you know then we try to correct that thing you know the right way so it's all on me how to get to know these kids even before they get on campus that's why we make sure we do our due diligence just checking around once we see a kid we really like get some background check on them you know see, see what is he like you know i mean they can be from like i said family life to Again, just injuries, you know, how many injuries he's had, you know, uh, in football. You know, because all that plays a role in, you know, our decision whether or not we're going to take this young man. Well, one of the new things that – now, if coaching wasn't hard enough, it's gotten even tougher with the NIL deals that, that some players are seeking and, and finding. How yeah. does that impact the SWAC and, and Prairie View in particular? Oh, I mean, it's, it's it's impacting big time because, again, you know, you got to be able to have that money. You got to have the funds to uh, get these young men in, you know, uh, to uh, come play for you because that's, that's where it's going. And I, and I was afraid that's where it was going to go once we started this uh, this route that, that we're going right now. Um, you know, and these kids getting paid a lot of money, you know. My question is again, how you know how do we keep them motivated? If we give them a whole whole bunch of money, I'm not four kids not getting paid because I mean, I, I mean, I, I love the idea of the NIL, but again, I think it should be a cap on it. You know, whatever cap that is, I, I don't know. They they got to figure it out, but it shouldn't be in the in the uh, hundreds of thousands. Because I mean, heck, I mean, they, they, you you're paying kids a hundred thousand. Yeah, but I mean, you got coaches that ain't even making that much on some of these, teams, you know. And yeah, so, and and keep like you said, keeping them motivated, keeping them going to class, all of that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The, hey, have you thought about this though? How much would you have made on an NIL deal playing at the U at that time? All y'all would have been millionaires by the, your sophomore season. <laughs> well, most, most definitely, you know, Michael Irvin, you know, Lonzo, Smith, Vinny Tessa, absolutely, those guys, yeah. Big time star Jerome Brown. Oh yeah, Ray Lewis. Oh, without a doubt. Um, yeah, without a doubt. Been, been you would have had to be more outspoken to get a better deal, huh? <laughs> exactly. There you go. I, I probably would have. I probably would came out start speaking a whole lot more. <laughs> 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 so we know that the the football world is relatively small. And as you go into this swag season, you'll at some point, whether it's this season or in the next couple, you'll cross paths with a guy that you were rivals with in college and Dion at, at Florida State and a former teammate in Eddie Robinson. Talk a little bit about those sorts of matchups and, and, and what will it be like to go up against Eddie Robinson, a guy you were in the locker room with? I mean, he's gonna be a mate to me, you know. When when you when you talk about these games, you know, going up against former players, former teammates, it's fun. You know, it's all fun. Then you know, a lot of us we still talk. You know, like I said, but you know, again, when that day happens, I wouldn't say the friendship is out the window, out the door. You know, or there's no friendship. But you know, you you got to shift gear. Understand that, hey, you know what? It's nothing personal, but we know we we're going out here to kick your butt, you know, and to win this game. However, however, it needs to be done, but it should be very 
society. I've said this a long. People don't understand. People don't know me. A lot of people don't know me, or I said I said that do know me. I said a long time ago, Dale, that uh, even before I even got through very seriously when I hit that fifth year. Like I said, the fourth year, I um, I said, yeah, you know what? I think I might want to go ahead and start doing this thing, you know, full-time coaching. And when I got into it, full-time, Big Wilson at Texas Southern, I said, man, I wish a whole bunch of other guys who were retired would come back and give up, give back to these young men on this level, on, 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 the, on the HBCU level. Because, again, they don't have it. Not saying that the, the, the other guys were bad, but I, I just thought that, it should have happened a long, long time ago. Uh, yeah, I remember you saying that. That you've said yeah. that several times that <laughs> that guys should come back and, and use their knowledge and share their knowledge with these guys. Are you going to have guys come in, even if they're not on your staff, come in and and, and talk to the guys or, or teach them some things? Absolutely. I'm as much as I can uh, do. Yeah, without breaking any rules. Absolutely. And I've had several guys, as many guys, reach out to me, soliciting. You know, hey, the bug. Hey, I whatever you need, just call me. I'll come in, even if it's just you know to consult or teach or talk. Just pick up the phone, call me, and I'm there, my brother. So, I, and I, like I said, I've been I've been getting a lot of support from a lot of guys, man, and I, I really, really love it. You know, I mean, like I say again, it's about building relationship long-term relationship man again i i know for a fact had i not been who i were back then and where god has brought me to right now you know i would these guys wouldn't be calling me to help to say hey you know what if you need my help you know uh just call one of the the reasons why i have always used my platform on the radio on podcast to support you is because when i was really getting rolling on the radio side with the talk show you were one of the first guys to say, hey, I will come up there. I will come do it. And, and every time I've asked you to come, you've been there. And you don't forget, you don't, you know, you don't forget the people who came for you and supported you when you needed that support. And that's why whatever I can ever do for you, I'm going to always speak up on your behalf and, and root for you. Because, again, you weren't getting anything from coming to do a small radio show from a guy who's just starting. And, and and even when I was a writer, when I very at, when you were with the Oilers, you would just hey, you would take time. I you know here I am, this young reporter, and you were always available. You always gave good quotes, and I mean you made it easy for a young person to start to do their job. And uh, I always appreciate that. So anytime I have a platform to support you, you you already know I will because I have already, and I'll continue to do so. Yeah, I truly appreciate it, no problem. Yeah, and you said it right, man. It, it, again, it's, it, it, we say easy, we and we know that you know easy is a is a is a small word for it when it comes to life. But you know, if we prepare these guys, you know, the proper way, now they have they have our upper hand to to try to go out and do it do it themselves, and hope we'll be safe. You know, we if we don't take care of each other, man. I mean, uh, nobody will. No question about it. Well, I wanted to also give you an opportunity. You have a, a camp coming up. So speaking of reaching out to the community, you are having a, a, a football camp. Can you tell us all about that? We've got a football camp coming up. Uh, I know we're a little bit behind, but we're waiting on to do it at first. But, you know, everybody's been asking me to do it, calling in. So we put it together for June 1st. Uh, registration starts at 1 o'clock, and then we're going to go from 2.30 to 5.30 right there on uh, PV campus. And it's uh age group from 8th grade to 12th grade. Okay. Uh, we're going to do some uh, stations. We're going to do some 40. 
get that height weight, you know, then we'll, we in that thing with a little seven on seven with uh, uh, several different groups, depending on how big the groups are, age groups. Okay, and how much is the camp for, of the, for the kids? 45. Okay, so you come in, you get your, your height, weight, you do your, your your forty time, and then you get some expert coaches, uh, some expert coaching for that afternoon, right? Absolutely. And so you'll have people, I'm sure, from Houston and all of those surrounding areas. Uh, how much talent is around that area up there? Once you go out two ninety, bro. Let me tell you, we've looking, at, we've been looking at you know the twenty three kids for the past uh, couple of days. You know, kid uh, guys that just got back off the road, so we just been kind of. And kids and oh my god, it's talent out there. And you know, that was back in twenty one and twenty two. You know, we we said that these this was going to be the 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 class twenty three class and twenty four class. Oh my god, they, I mean they are they are they are holding up to that hype because it, it is some athletes out there across Texas. Well, hey, we uh, we're gonna be following uh, you all along, and then of course, so we'll catch up with you, and then I'll be calling the game on Labor Day weekend. Uh, but we certainly appreciate your time. How can folks reach out and support the program, or reach out to any of your coaches, or, or I mean, for recruiting purposes or whatever? How, how can folks reach out to you guys? Yeah, just send an email. I mean, all of our emails are again on uh, on the website, so you can just go to our email. Again, just you know if you got film, all the film uh, will be going to if it's Pacific film, especially um, walk on guys type deal. Um, again, all those will go to uh, Marcus Bradley, and again, you can find all these uh, all of our emails on the website. And again, just reach out to us and. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to get back to you again. Just be patient with us because again, we, you know, we, we are a nine man wrecking crew. So, you know, we don't, we don't have that top dollar, uh, solo, uh, uh, recruiting coordinator where he can, you know, go in and with his assistant and, and, uh, you know, decipher through the film and then give it to the coach. So we got, we, we kind of got to do it ourselves. Well, no, kind of, we got to do it ourselves. So each, each position coaches are steady looking at film and then, you know, we, we come together, we look at and we, uh, vote on who we like, rate them, you know, kind of like NFL type deal from top to bottom, you know, just in case somebody take off and go to, uh, Texas Southern or Jackson, who's the next, <laughs> who's the next guy up. So, you know, like I said, just send them to us. We'll, we'll get back with you guys as soon as we can. Hey, well, we look forward to visiting with you in the, in the future. And again, I really appreciate the time. And uh, again, look forward to seeing uh, what this Prairie View team is going to look like all season long. Absolutely. Appreciate it, my brother. To have your comments heard, call 832-941-6614. want to thank Bubba McDowell for joining us. And maybe as we get closer to the football season, we'll have a chance to catch up with him again. Certainly appreciate his time. Excited for him. Excited for Eddie Robinson. And, you know, I'll root for both of those guys, except on those days that we at Texas Southern played him. But they know what it is. I mean, he talked about it. You know what it is. But I'm really rooting for those guys. And when they play each other, now that's the quandary. So I guess I would whoever is better served by the win is who I'll root for on that Saturday when Alabama State takes on Prairie View. But with that, before I let go. Before I let go. 
Before I let go, hey, want to thank Bubba McDowell. Want to thank Daniel Ewing. Want to thank DJ Anarchy. Want to thank Brighter Brains. Want to thank Cobank Holmes. Of course, I want to thank you guys. I want to remind you to give us a call on the sports line, 832-941-6614. And join us on the Facebook group page, Sports Talk with Devin Wade group page. Like the fan page. Comment on whatever platform you listen. Like it comment on it get the word out tell more people about it and get this thing bigger and better thank you thank you thank you and if you can't remember any of those things please remember these four things number one i don't do no favors after six o'clock in the evening two i ain't got no money three i'm not harboring any fugitives from justice and four bye (laughs) this has been the sports talk with devin wade podcast remember you can follow him on twitter at Wade's Word, thank you for listening.